Welcome to the Pin Leader Podcast, where strategic leaders get straight to the topics, strengthening our awareness and sharpening our minds. The Pin Leader Podcast is produced by Roar, a production division of Maze and Associates LTD. Find out more at www.maysassociatesltd.com. Now here is your award-winning host, Dr. Shan DeGore. And welcome to the Pin Leader Podcast. Excited to start a conversation about creating civil conversations. Glad to have with me today a Chief People and Culture Officer and a Deputy General Counsel. Her name is Michelle Zaru, and she has extensive experience representing companies in all areas of labor and employment law. Currently is working with the Sisters of St. Francis and their entities and Lord's University. I'm excited that she has this experience, publications, and has been an award winner by a 20 under 40, a leadership award recipient, Best Lawyers in America, the Ohio State Bar Foundation's Community Service Award for attorneys 40 uh, and under. And she has education from Duke University, is it JD from Duke University School of Law, an MA in English from Duke University and a BA with honors from the University of Michigan. So really want to welcome Michelle Zaru. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. First, can you explain about your title? <laughs> I was so excited to see this chief people and culture officer and as well as deputy, deputy general counsel. Yeah, everybody asks me about that because it is quite a mouthful, but <laughs> but it is uh, really, uh, I think, really forward thinking. Uh, Sister Nancy Lennon-Kugel is our congregational minister at the Sisters of St. Francis, and she, she kind of dreamed up the title because she wanted my role to be really based in human resources and, and, and fulfilling that function, but she wanted it broader. She wanted me to kind of unite the different ministries that the sisters operate and the campus where we all live and, you know, they live and we all work and, and we, she wanted someone who could kind of focus on the culture and creating a workplace where people really want to come to work and people are excited to be there. I've taken that title as really my mandate and my charge to change how people feel about work. Excellent. You know, I was looking at this and you have the lawyer piece. You've been in practice for more than 22 years. Yeah. <laughs> so you you really couple that with the role. Is That's it? right. That's right. And it's it's more than just an HR position because uh, with the deputy general counsel title, I'm really legal counsel to Lord's University and I, I handle all kinds of student conduct, Title IX, um, contracting issues, as well as for the other entities. I do contracts, I do um, you know legal reviews, I help with you know, disciplinary decisions and, and where the legal risk is, the risk analysis, I should say. So, so it's a legal position, it's an HR position. And then because of my unique background at Shoemaker as an immigration lawyer, as well as an employment lawyer, I have very um, role to the Refugee Action Committee that the sisters run. And through that Refugee Action Committee, we house different uh, refugee families. And right now we're housing two Ukrainian families. Oh, excellent. excellent. And we provide services as well as housing. Okay. That's a big role. That's yeah. a big role. So obviously this is something you're passionate about? or Yes. Yes. <laughs> So talk to me about that passion. How did you come to this passion? It, you know, what I've wanted to do ever since I started law school is help people. 
And sometimes it was just practicalities getting in the way. You know, you've got to pay off student loans. You've got to, you know, take care of your family. And I, I think I did a good job as a lawyer for Shoemaker, Leaf & Kendrick in, in helping people along the way. I did pro bono work. I was on the legal aid board. But I always felt like something was missing because I wasn't doing that direct service. I, I did get the opportunity to switch into that with this position. And it's been, it's been life-changing for me to do that. Excellent. So can you talk to a little bit about your leaders that you're working with? You're working with leaders now, you worked with leaders in the past, and you're a leader actually in your field. One of the pieces we're talking about, creating civil conversations, what do you think is keeping leaders from having civil conversations? I think there's a lot of fear. I think there's a lot of fear of saying the wrong thing, of inciting dissent, I think that people tend to tiptoe around dissent. The one thing that I always appreciated about the law firm setting was that people were allowed to disagree. And in fact, our cases, we handled them better if you had people disagreeing about the strategy or the facts, because then you could think of the other side. And we really became, as lawyers, we came to value the other side and and hearing that dissenting opinion because that's what made our case stronger. I think that's lost in the non-legal world because they're afraid to create tension instead of understanding that it makes us better in a way to have some some dissent. I wondered about that with the ability to even have the conversation. Do you think over the last 10 years just being able to have civil conversations has changed? Absolutely. I think that people are so quick to name call. I think people are so quick to accuse. They're, they're so defensive that they, they, their, their minds are closing. I think social media is partly responsible for that. And I think just our polarized world where you don't want, people don't even want to hear from the other side. They just want to know what they know and think what they think. And I would say also too, with that, if you're having a conversation with someone who it's deciding to go into a uncivilized way, right? What what do you re- recommend on how to keep it in a, in a civil manner? Yeah, I, you know, for me, I, I have these conversations a lot. I, I don't, I don't want to argue. I don't want to fight. I'll hear you out, but you have to hear me out. And I just keep saying that. And I think it does help to a certain extent because my willingness to listen softens the other side so that they become willing to listen. But somebody has to throw that out first. Mm-hmm. And I'm always the first one to do it. I have a very strict policy that I do not devolve into name calling, mm-hmm. even when I want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And I want to a lot, but, <laughs> but I don't think it's productive. And I think it turns people away. And it makes me think back on a conversation that I recently had where there was more of a, well, can't you see that the truth is here? This person really felt that they were strongly in a knowing all the facts and weren't even directly involved in the situation, mm-hmm. but felt so passionate about where they believe the truth to be. Even talking through one side, you know, there's one side, there's another side, and the truth is in between because it's about perceptions and attitudes playing a part in it too. Um, having the conversation, realizing that there was no convincing this person, that it was really about you You have to move on, get beyond this and agree to disagree. Yes, let's agree to disagree, but then be civil. Uh, I think that the civil agree to disagree even is 
strange. Well, I think we take it personally when someone doesn't listen to us or doesn't won't hear what we perceive to be the truth. And I think we have to find a way not to do that and have to really understand even saying I, we agree to disagree, I think can be seen as dismissive. Mm-hmm. And I think that it can make people feel like they were not heard. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a challenge to navigate that. But when I try to, to do that, I try to focus on, I, I understand where you're coming from. I need you to understand a little bit of where I'm coming from and understand that we both want the same thing. We want the country to be great. We want people to be free. We want everyone to have jobs. Whatever the issue is we're talking about, like we just have different ideas of how to get there. Mm-hmm. And when you focus on the path is just different, then we don't seem all that far apart. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I tried. That's what, how I maintain my own civility because I can only really control my own civility. But I have to focus on that. And sometimes it's hard because I think, oh my God, this person just wants to tear everything down. Well, no, maybe they don't. But they think that there's a very different way of getting there than I do. Let's talk about that because I know emotional intelligence plays a part too. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've got someone who's really rising to wanting to argue, uh, emotions have started to come out yelling, uh, you know, how do you recommend or what do you suggest to leaders when you're seeing conversations or when they're in fact in a conversation that travels down this path? I think as a leader, you have to know when to exit a conversation and you, and you have to know when to step, step back and just say, okay, speak your piece and, and let it flow. I think that's hard, but I think you set an example by doing that because if the other person is lashing out and you're not responding, that, that sends a message, not just to them, but to the people who are observing. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's a time to fight and there's a time to argue back, but there's also a time to step back and say, well, you know, this is going in a direction I don't want it to go. And I want to be the high road. I want to be the person who, who stands up and says enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get dragged into a, a dog fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's easy, but I think it does send a message. You have to show that you're willing to listen as a leader. And I think by, by stepping back and saying, okay, spit it out, you know, uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> that does send a message that you're, you're willing to take a little bit of the punches and to get past the emotions to the nitty gritty. But what I like to do at the end of that is say, okay, now that we've argued and we've, you know, gotten through all the difficulty, can we just have a real conversation, you and me, and figure this out? Mm-hmm. And I think people have a lot of respect for that. I think most of the time that they do. Now, I will say there's sometimes when individuals were, they're still trying to convince you of that course. they're side, don't you see, can't you? And then to make some of the comments, you know, there's a whole about, you know, you, you're self-reflective. Well, most people are self-reflected even going into that conversation. The question is, is where is the willingness to come and look at another side and even hear that, which again, creates civility, right? Right. And but not so- everyone has that ability to look at the other side. No, no. And so I will say things like, I'm listening to you. Why aren't you listening to me? I'm willing to come to this and, and learn something new. Are you? And just kind of set the stage for learning and open-mindedness and the hopes that reaches them. But some people, it won't. It's not going to be foolproof. No, not always. And it, I think there's a point of just knowing that when you, I'm going to say give up, but when you're when you're at the point where you're not going to be able to convince them or maybe not have them come to meet you. I really hope 
that it takes practice. Am I right? That's right. Absolutely. And I'm not sure practice means getting in conversations with people who don't think like you in whatever that area is. So, you know, what, what kind of characteristics when we talk about leaderships and pen leaders, mm-hmm. for example, what, what are the characteristics that you, you look for, for those that are able to work with you and able to move maybe a program, a goal, just to, to move something forward? What are the characteristics you look for on your teams and to, to work with in general? You know, I value honesty. I think, um, being transparent and being honest, whether it's with your employees or with your coworkers or your peers, I think that goes a long way. And sometimes that means acknowledging some hard truths or difficulties, but when people hear that, they they're relieved because they think, okay, someone gets it. They're not. I'm not crazy. They see the the problems here too, and that means they're going to be more likely to fix it. So to me, I think a leader has to be honest, and they have to be ready to face difficulties and not hide difficulties. Like to me, if they're just painting, you know, everything with their broad brush of oh, everything's great. That's not leading. That's not lead, true leadership. A true leadership sees things for what they are and is direct in addressing them. Mm-hmm. And they can be kind, but they need to be direct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how would you rank if you have a leader that has transparency? Mm-hmm. How would you rank the experience, education, being able to be sharp on point? How would you rank if the individual is a strength of character and then how would you rank the ability for the individual to stay on the straight and narrow on a strategic plan and focused for the organization how would you rank those like to me i think being you know a a sensible smart person who has the education experience like that's the floor Mm -hmm. everybody we interview for a position should meet that when i was interviewing law students to come work at our law firm grades education, whatever. Everybody has that. I'm looking for something more. I'm looking for that emotional intelligence. So to me, okay, you got to have the base experience. You got to have the education, but that's not what's the game changer. To me, the game changer is that strength of character, that ability to reach people. And I really think to me, everything is relational. And that's why I fit in so well with the Sisters of St. Francis, because they're very relational. You have to be able to reach people and you need to be able to reach them where they're at. And then they'll follow you anywhere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If, If you're talking down to them, if you're hiding, if you're obscuring, if you're fighting for no reason, if you're just grabbing power or money, everybody will see through those things. So to me, it's all about the strength of character. And then this, the middle char- characteristic of, um, you know, straight and narrow, follow the path. I read, you know, I read that when I was preparing for this and I thought, no, you know, you got to have some intuition to go with that mm-hmm. because just blindly following the path Mm-hmm. Is, can often be a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that intuition to follow, it have to go hand in hand. And I think probably the most undervalued trait in leadership is intuition. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's talking about that because you can't define it and you can't quantify it. But to me, what sets me apart from others is I have an intuitive understanding of people and what they need from me and from my organization. That has served me in every role I've held. I think there's a, and you can't quantify that either, Mm -hmm. can you? No. No. (laughs) I think what you're also saying, and when you're balancing out characteristics, especially with individuals you want to work with, sounds like all of those culminating into one great leader. Right. And and sometimes we don't always match up to all those different qualities. Am I right? Right. And sometimes you're the wrong quality for the organization. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It has to be, there has to be some kind of fit. 
there. And you could be fantastic, intuitive, thoughtful, direct, honest, and go to an organization where that's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a little bit of matchmaking involved. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the fun of it, but also the challenge. It's interesting because I also think there's got to be more of just one person having just one pin leader in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one individual who is supposed to hold the whole fabric together. It's, it's too hard. You have to have a number of pins that hold the fabric of the organization together. So it can't just be one person. I was talking to someone else who versus, you know, culture, building culture. Well, you would hope that if the person goes on vacation, that somehow the place doesn't fall apart, that there's enough culture there that and sustainability that you won't need the person to be standing there. That's almost like micromanaging. You don't want that. I think I think that's exactly it. And if you're if you're really reliant on one person to be all that, then you don't have the right culture. Mm-hmm. Like it's the opposite of culture to me because culture means we stand all together and and we are like minded in our views in terms of what this organization needs to succeed and for our workplace to be a, more, a better place to be than it was. We want every day to be better than the day before. That's culture to me. But if you're just relying on one person to force their will on everybody else to make everybody happy, that's not going to work. You know, you really have to build it from the inside up and (laughs) down. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, you know, there's a great activity coming up, right? A great meeting, a great opportunity to hear more about civil conversations. And yes, we are going to be continuing this conversation at Lord's University for our Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We'll have a lunch on Tuesday, January 16th. So we let everybody be off work and go to all the events they want to go to on MLK Day. And then we'll recognize it the day after, which I like. Mm-hmm. And you will join us yes. and be leading us through interactive <laughs> exercises and creating these civil conversations. It's a conversation I'm really excited to have with the university. The idea is to bring everybody together on the campus community. So that's sisters, that's employees, that's students, that's faculty, that's staff, as well as our our other ministries that are, some are on our campus and some are off. But to have this vast, diverse community come together and figure out how can we do this? I'm, I'm excited for what you have planned that is more interactive to prove to them it can be done. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm big on practice makes perfect or close to perfection, but how can you do something without actually practicing it and and having the interaction? That's right. You know, we'd love to see any members of the public who might like to join us. This is something that we, we like to share the wealth when we have good fortune of having guests like yourself. So hopefully people can join us and learn about and have this discussion with each other and sometimes breaking off into smaller groups and having smaller exercises that open people up is the best way to do that. It's fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm hoping that there's celebrations across the United States during this time that more interactions uh, also can happen, different settings. I think keynotes are fantastic too. I think people pull away when they're actually immersed in how to create that culture of that time, what's going on at that moment. And so I'm I'm excited about that and having the ability to do interactive, so. Yeah, me too. I, I feel like because we have a good number of students and faculty, well, they're in class all the time where it's just lecture, take notes, lecture sure take notes so we really wanted to do something different i'm excited for what we get to do with you (laughs) (laughs) well you'll be my teammate yes i will help as i can (laughs) excellent 
Well, I can't thank you enough for this time. Just coming and sharing your pearls of wisdom concerning leadership and civil conversations and some of the pointers on how to go about it. And I think this is critically important. I do know that there are companies and organizations that are struggling with this now. I know we work with a number of them. Any kind of advisement, I know that's appreciated to help them and guide them. So thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. So for those listening, please don't forget to subscribe to the Pin Leader Podcast. Until next time. The Pen Leader Podcast is hosted by Dr. Shanda Gore and brought to you by Mason Associates LTD, creating customized solutions for growth in the areas of leadership development, strategic planning, and culture building. Find out more at www.maysassociatesltd.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pen Leader Podcast and share with others.